Thanks for listening to another episode of All Things Change, a podcast brought to you by the Perform Partners team. In today's episode, we're joined by CIO and Risk and Compliance Director from Chatwood Financial. Really excited for you to listen to this one, so let's get stuck right in. So today on the podcast, we have got two fantastic guests, Adrian and Paul from Chetwood Financial. I'm really excited to have them on the All Things Change uh, podcast with us today. So Adrian, Paul, tell the audience a little bit more about Chetwood Financial and your roles there. Well, Chloe, uh, I'll go first. Thank you for having me. Uh, fantastic to be here today. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I... I am the CIO um, at Chetwood. My name is Adrian Gunnell. I joined in the summer after about three and a half years at, C- at a, a CTO at a fast growing Lentech um, based near Stoke. Uh, broadly, uh, first half of my career was technology consulting, second half of it in financial services. I did engineering at university, so I've always been interested in building things. Um, so I worked as a developer initially and kind of worked my way through to being CTO, CIO. Um, Chetwood uh, is a digital bank focusing on building. Uh, uh, consumer customer products, loan savings uh, that meet specific customer needs. Um, we were formed in late 2016. We've grown to about 200 people. Uh, we built exclusively on AWS on the service architecture. That's quite niche um, and, and allows us uh, to be very agile. Um, and we use a lot of their uh, core AWS capabilities. Um, that makes us agile, makes us scalable, and means we can focus on applications without having to worry about infrastructure. Um, and we do all of that um, at a comparatively low cost base. Um, and then personally, I live in the Northwest. I moved up from London about 10 years ago. I married with two beautiful daughters. Um, it's obviously a cliche alert, but it's definitely true in my case. Um, we have a lot of fun as a family. We like a bit of adrenaline. We're sporty. We ski. We ride motorbikes. Um, and every now and then I dab a little bit of tennis golf and hockey. Amazing. It sounds very, very interesting. Lovely to hear about the work that you're doing with AWS in particular. It's something we're very familiar um, with here at Perform Partners. So I'm sure Paul will dig a little bit deeper into that as we move on in the podcast. And um, great to hear about your, your lovely family as well. Um, very wholesome. Uh, Paul and I both very avid skiers as well so we can definitely relate to that as well um i'm just going to pass over to paul (laughs) paul tell us a little bit about your role um and what you do at chetwood financial yeah thanks chloe i'm paul patterson i'm risk and compliance director at chetwood uh so very broadly speaking when adrian and the guys are off doing all that stuff he just told you that we do my job is to help ensure that we do it confidently and in control so we understand what what might go wrong, what might present a risk to our customers or to our organization or to even potentially to the market more generally. And then we plan to control, to understand what we can do to prevent those things happening without impeding the progress of the business. And that's really the key bit, especially when we're on a podcast talking about change, right? A lot of the time, people who do what I do are the headwind to the change. And I think that's something that we'll talk about through this conversation is how we can actually be uh, a support or an accelerant to the change rather than a headwind. Um, not that this is a competition, but I've got three beautiful daughters. Um, and I live in the northeast of England, so I shall try to speak slowly and suppress the Geordie accent as best I can, but the odd way I man might pop out from time to time. 
Oh no, Paul, embrace it. Embrace that accent. <laughs> Absolutely love it here. One of our directors is from the Northeast and yeah, no, it's an it's amazing accent and great to hear. I think in an industry that's so heavily regulated and itself has so much change going on around it, your role at Chatwood is incredibly vital and yeah, change must be a constant for you. It must be constantly at the forefront of your mind. Um, but you seem relatively relax and uh, laid back with that so I'm sure you have a fantastic approach to the work that you're doing. Like so many things at Chetwood we do things a little bit differently where we're not encumbered by ways of working that we've inherited from somewhere else we're able to to think about how we think is the best way to solve a problem and then we're empowered to go and do it and that's that's a really refreshing place to be. I think that speaks to actually you were named and we'll get on to the the main question shortly but you were named as one of the uh top fintech disruptors weren't you in 2020 and uh also some other awards that we'll talk about later on in the podcast but surely that that actually um screams you know value that you add to the industry and the sector and specifically the organization that you're working for at Chatwood. I mean, I, I obviously can't claim all the credit for it. it, it you know, Adrian and the guys can have a bit of that, but uh, I like to think we do our part, yeah. Yeah, so uh, this, this podcast is all about change. So um, change is constant for all of us, as we all know. Um, it allows us to adapt, innovate, and grow amongst other things. So obviously we're interested to hear from you about what does change mean to you? Um, I'll probably start with you, Adrian. What does change mean to you in terms of what you do and... Uh, your life and your and your business. Great question, Paul. Um, so, as a CIO, my my role is really to enable and deliver change. Um, financial services, technology, uh, they're both clearly evolving. Uh, I enjoy that. Change changes is the agent of that evolution. Um, you know, we constantly have to adapt and to innovate in order to be successful, whether in life or whether in work. So, within Chetwood. Uh, that means using new technologies and uh, working practices to accelerate outcomes, right? To, to bring change through more quickly and provide, uh, you know, to, to, to our business uh, sponsors, but also then to our customers, um, those, uh, the, the, those target uh, products as quickly as possible. Um, it's about bringing new technology to the fore, um, but being able to set up our teams uh, to deliver those solutions quickly. Um, so, you know, successful change for me is about delivering that solution uh, as an outcome, as a desired outcome, as efficiently as possible for the organization. So that includes the cost of implementation, um, the cost of future support, but also extensibility, maintainability, scalability. So you know, it's how we as an organization bring, um, bring those products and services through as quickly as possible and change is the mechanism for how we do that. I think, I think as a I've worked in a few financial services organizations over my too long tenure, um, but they've always, traditionally to me, they've always been behemoth monsters in terms of trying to change traditional core, core banking operations and core services and products. And just to change anything, especially, especially when we're more in an environment of FSA, uh, making changes that are mandatory on a, on a yearly basis. And, and those having fixed deadlines in most cases. Um, I, I imagine it's probably a refreshing thing to be in a financial services, in, a financial services company that can, can adapt because the, the, these things almost in, I, I've worked in some quite large financial services organisations, I'm sure you guys have as well, that you need an army that plans 
plans those regulatory changes and almost have to shelve a lot of their um, innovation in terms of uh, what they might have planned to do over the next two years just because of the regulatory hard stops that come in. So, yeah, I'd be interested to know how you feel about um, having that, not having that barrier, I suppose, in Chetwood. So that's one of the, that's one of the advantages of Chetwood being a digital bank. Uh, with us having been formed relatively recently, you know, five years ago, and being built exclusively in uh, AWS, it means that we don't have that legacy overhead. We don't have that um, that, that inertia um, that, that we have to think about change in order to implement new, new, new solutions. We've been able to think about uh, the target state that we want to build the bank for, um, and been able to build that effectively greenfield from the start. So, um, you know, one of the one of the joys of delivering change in Chetwood is that I don't have um, you know, those, uh, you know, the, the, the encumbersome nature of that change that I've had in previous banks. You know, I've spent some time at tier one banks um, and at the regulator. Um, all of that is true to a lesser or greater extent, uh, but not particularly true of Chetwood. Um, and so, you know, that flexibility, but also, you know, by, by virtue of the new technology and services, it means that we get a lot of things out of the box that otherwise previously, um, and, in, and in old world tech, you'd have to do a lot of engineering for. So when we think about how we scale our services, the ability to horizontally scale that for volume, you know, a lot of that we get relatively out of the box um, on yeah. the new technology set. Um, and that makes us, you know, that makes us an incredibly attractive bank. It means we can both react and produce products pretty quickly, but we also grow pretty quickly. Yeah, so I imagine, Paul, it makes your life much easier in terms of having, making sure all the compliances done and dusted way before and not scrambling around the last minute to hit it, deadline for that. It presents a, a different type of challenge, perhaps to what you used to. I, similar to you and Adrian, I've worked in the, the global jumbo megacorps where it's turning an oil tank around and certainly we can do a lot of things more quickly. But if, if you think about change more generally in, in a regulated financial services firm, it's going to come one of two ways, right? It's either going to be someone external to us, a regulator typically telling us to do something differently. And there, my role is to understand that change and then translate it to the business, right? And help them decide what outcome needs to be achieved. And then Adrian's guys will kick in with their creativity and their innovation to deliver a really elegant, innovative, fast solution for it. The other way around is we have these guys with an internal driver for change using their creativity and innovation to come up with a new, better, faster, more exciting, more engaging way of doing things. And typically that's going to be using new technologies in a different way for a different purpose. And then the challenge for me is taking this in simple terms, it's taking 21st century technology and operations and having to make that fit with very much 20th century yeah. regulatory landscape. And often they don't quite fit. And that, that's a, a universally acknowledged challenge. You know, the regulators know about it. You can never keep up. So we have to do our best to be pragmatic and to, to understand, to be willing to learn. I think that's, that's one thing. And oftentimes to park your ego at the door, right? There are a number of times when I'll have to go into a conversation and simply say, look, guys, I'm not going to understand what you talk about here. You're going to have to draw me pictures. It's going to be a little bit Janet and John, a little bit crayon, but we'll get there eventually. We'll understand it and we'll work together. And the, the team are really good at that. And it works both ways, right? Equally, I, 
I can't just go off and be a compliance nerd and start spouting 1974 regulations and, and precedents from this, that and the other. We have to talk to each other in a common way to enable one another to, to contribute to the forward motion of the business. And that's an, such an advantage of having a small, agile, intelligent, articulate team who can just get down to it. I'm just thrilled that you think our technology change is uh, elegant. I I, well, uh, yeah, hey, it I was the first. It, I mean, it was the first word that came to my head, Adrian. I could, I could probably think of some others if you give me a chance. But <laughs> I'm happy to stick with it. I think, believe the, the me, other, some, the other, some of the firms work. I've worked in, elegant would not make a list of a thousand descriptors <laughs> for the technology. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's why I picked up on it. Um, I think, I think the other, the other good thing, just from a compliance perspective, is because we're consuming fairly standard services, it, it becomes easier to demonstrate some of that compliance. So when you start thinking about, um, when you start thinking about authorizations, when you start thinking about auditing, when you start thinking about access controls, when you start thinking about the set of controls around the landscape, by taking um, you know, quite um, you know, a, an existing set of well-understood services um, and, and widely used services, it's easier to demonstrate those kind of compliance controls. So it does make our life a little bit easier in supporting the rest of the business in, in, in then providing that kind of feed into the regulator to demonstrate that we are you're doing things properly. I thought we found we found on that same similar note, we found we've we've done some migrations into AWS for different customers and, and they are amazed at the amount of granular level FinOps details they can get. It's almost like the finance teams get a new lease of life in terms of what they can track challenge on um, and save money on in terms of how they uh, how their estate's managed if it's tagged up correctly. But um, I'm pretty sure you'll find you've done that from scratch. So you've probably been on that journey from day one. So you'll know all these things anyway. But it, it, I always find that light bulb moment of other, especially when other companies have never used it and, and then moved to the cloud and wow, what can this do? It's the business agility piece more than anything else that people I don't think really fully understand how powerful that is before the move. Yeah, I fully agree. I, I mean, it is quite transformational. You know, and the advantage there is you can also focus at the application layer and, you know, effectively on product. You don't have to worry too much about the underlying engineering. And it yeah. takes a it takes a lot of, um, you know, that otherwise, particularly in legacy banks, that you know, take, that takes a lot of investment in time. Um, you know, that's that's an overhead we just, we just don't have. Yeah. Speaking of uh, legacy banks, actually, that moves us on to our next question quite nicely because we have seen some big, excite, big and exciting changes with the emergence of the fintech sector. And over recent years, you know, there's been new technologies, disruptors in the sector, such as yourselves, uh, even down to consumers and the way that they, consumers and businesses and the way they spend and manage money, especially following 18 months of significant global change. We won't mention the dreaded C word though. Um, but talk to us a little bit about what you think the most exciting change in the fintech sector has been in recent years and, and why. I'll have, a, I'll have a crack at it. Um, so I think probably in general terms, the, the most significant macro level change that I found fascinating in recent years is the growth of decentralized finance. Um, I think you know, DeFi is colloquially called needs, but a fraction of the cost of centralized finance. Um, it's doing so at fast speeds and with great assurance because of the immutability of the underlying technology around uh, distributed ledger technology. So, you know, it is it is disrupting um, you know, a, a, a set of our financial services. And I think the direction of travel is, is clear and will continue to disrupt. So I think you know, that in particular I find quite fascinating. Um, and then probably more specifically within the last year or so, 
um, I think the, the growth of uh, alternative finance, um, particularly around user adoption, um, where it's growing particularly quickly and, and you know, here around tokens, cryptocurrencies, et cetera. Um, you know, whilst that is not yet mainstream and probably won't be for quite some time, it feels a bit like we've crossed the, the legitimacy boundary. Uh, we're seeing ETFs start to be based off them. Uh, we're seeing you know, increased number of vendors uh, start to accept them as forms of payment. So it really does feel as though there's, there's a mass movement and we've kind of crossed that threshold uh, into alternative finance being an, an, an acceptable means of transacting. I, I think I, the word that I picked up on from your question, Chloe, was exciting. Um, and oftentimes you don't want the risk and compliance guy to be excited about stuff. It, it doesn't usually mean good things, but I think if you if you take the the interpretation of the word exciting a bit like when you're standing at the front of the queue for a roller coaster, right? You, you're equal parts excited for the experience and terrified. Risk and compliance folk think about big data, about the emergence of artificial intelligence, about the emergence and adoption of things like open banking. There's a a whole world of new ways to think about things and to make decisions which are impactful for our organizations and for the end customer. And typically, as I, as I said before, taking 21st century technologies and overlaying them on a 20th century risk and regulatory environment is often challenging. And if you layer into that, the lack of understanding of these new technologies, it, it really does become quite complex. So I think it's, it's an exciting new world and one that we need to embrace but we shouldn't underestimate the, the challenge yet. I think with that challenge, it sounds like there's a lot of change actually that needs to happen with that kind of risk and regulation space. But what do you think, what do you think needs to happen into, in that space to bring it a bit more into the 21st century from you know, that 20th century space that you've mentioned? Well, I often talk in, in, at work about that there's a reason why I do what I do and there's a reason why, for example, Adrian does what he does, right? And one of the best things that I can do is to get out of his way and let him go and, and do his thing. And I think we've started to see that with regulation, right? It, the second payment services directive brought in open banking, which brought in a mandatory framework to open up access to a world of data. Now, I, something, again, I say quite a bit of work is I'm an open banking skeptic, right? I think it's a solution looking for a problem. I think we've got access to this new world of data and a new way of working it. I'm yet to see anyone really get hold of it and do something powerful and impactful and sustainable with it in a really big way. Um, but I think the first thing we can do is open up access and then allow people to be creative and innovate and then pay attention to what they're doing and understand it, but understand it from a principles perspective. You know? so just because someone's doing something new, that doesn't mean it's wrong or risky. So we have to understand what does this mean? What are the impacts? If you go and do this thing in this way, what's the benefit of it? How could it potentially be to the detriment to somebody and work with it? <clears throat> I think a, a willingness to understand and a willingness to get out of the way and let people go and be creative and innovative will be a great first step. I see. I mean, this is more from personal, a personal perspective, but I see, I see that open banking feels like it works much better in the individual consumer market versus the, the business banking market, which is a, a pain at the best of times in terms of what we've experienced in terms of 
managing a business bank account, um, not from an individual, but more from a company's perspective. I think the open banking side of things and the options we have are a lot less, but that might be just what I've seen. I don't know if that's actually a thing. I think, Paul, there's probably some 15-year-old kid in his back bedroom writing a string of code that he's ready to take to market who's laughing at me, calling me an absolute dinosaur right now. And I would yeah. love to be, I can't wait for that thing to happen because that goes back to our the last point we talked about, about, you know, the the really interesting challenge of what I do. Um, yeah. yeah. I think we also have some time to go before we're, you know, the, the, the you know, decentralized finance and alternative finance are coming. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, but we've got some time, uh, you know, as... One of those things Paul was discussing as we start to you know, frame out and the regulators start to frame out how these can be used safely and widely um, across the market. Um, but even even you know, prior to that, and certainly something Chair would have focused on is around our banking as a service. So you know, we've done a lot in-house, as an example, to build out our financial services products and make those available uh, to, to customers. And we think that uh, a lot of that technology capability can be leveraged by um, clients uh, in launching their own products, their own banking products, um, and leveraging those capabilities of ours um, in order to accelerate their journey for themselves. So certainly for Chetwood over the next, you know, over, well, certainly over the last six months, you know, as, as we've started looking through the banking as a service um, a lot more and we think about direction travel in the next 12 to 24, um, right at the heart of that for Chetwood is, is banking as a service, um, you know, which we, we find really exciting. Yeah. Okay, I mean, we did have a question around um, uh, biggest changes you've been part of in the last 12 months, but I think um, you've touched on it, both you touched on it, I think, over the last 12 months. But um, as, a, as a quick answer, I guess, I'm just conscious of time. In, in terms of the last 12 months, what would you see as, and um, potentially the next 12 months, what we'd see, I think, is, I think you've probably touched on it, Adrian, around the, the, the um, DiFi. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but is, is, that, is that what you would see? I think so. I think for Chetwood, uh, I mean, if I if I pick up both of those, I think so. So certainly, certainly, the next twelve months for Chetwood, um, and one of the reasons we you know, we we see ourselves as a as a fintech disruptor is around banking as a service. Um, you know that 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 will be a big focus for us over the next year. Um, and you know we have other products coming in stream. I won't go into those now, but you'll see this come through in, in, in market relatively soon. So we've got a we've got a busy year ahead of us uh, with an exciting amount of change coming through. Um, I think you're know, look, looking back at the preceding twelve. Probably you know probably the biggest change of the last twelve months has, has been to work. Certainly for me, it's been to to working practices. You know we've the, you know our bank is only uh, only five year five years old. Eighteen months of that we've spent working remotely, having to adopt or adapt our working practices to be able to continue that delivery journey at pace whilst working in quite a different way to, to, to how we used to. So um, you're evolving how we've uh, you know, worked collaboratively and collectively, how we've brought people together um, to, to really drive pace, but also um, you know, in, so in doing so while everyone's working remotely, but also in doing so, maintaining that kind of key, uh, culture and ethos um, mm. that is Chetwood you know, has, has been has been a real challenge. And we've had to make we've had to make time to have those water cooler conversations um, that otherwise you would have quite naturally just walking around the office. Mm. In a remote world, you have to plan and, and 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 make sure you're doing those kind of things. So you know the lens of the last 12 months has been a little bit different. I've, I've, I've you know, found that quite a quite a noticeable change in the way in the way in which we've, we've we've had to work. Um, so retrospectively over 12, that, that's probably the single biggest change. But going forward over the next 12 Back is the service and, and new products is going to be where it's at. I think 
looking back over the last 12 months, definitely the biggest thing for me, I, I know we said we wouldn't mention the C word. So our response to the pandemic. Um, yeah. You know, in a normal world, if, for example, the regulator were to mandate a change to a feature of a, an entire sector of product, so consumer credit payment holidays came in, right? payment deferrals, the regulators decided completely correctly that lenders should support customers through the pandemic by enabling them to defer some of their payments to take a payment holiday. Back in the real world, if you can cast your mind back that far, if that kind of change were to come in, it would have been in discussions at European level for 12, 18, 24 months. It would have then been published in a directive. It would have then had a consultation in the UK. The UK regulators would have decided what they were going to do, and then they would have given us six to 12 months to make the change. So you're probably talking about a minimum 18, possibly up to 36-month horizon for that kind of change to come in. We've got 10 days to do this, start to finish pretty much this time. Mm. And it, it's something I'm very, very proud of, the way that Chetwood was able to pick that up, understand it, get ahead of it. We were going out to customers before the regulator said that we had to, to offer them support, to understand what they needed, and to make the, the tech and operational changes needed to underpin something as fundamental as that, that our systems weren't set up to do it. We didn't have that capability built. It was a from scratch innovation. To turn the whole thing around in a fortnight was astonishing. Layering on top of that, as Adrian was saying, you know, people were working from their back bedrooms. We'd only been, you know, working completely remotely for a matter of weeks at that point. So if you combine those multiple challenges, it's something I look back on with a great deal of pride. And I think the rest of the organization does as well. And to be honest, the rest of the industry, I think it was it was largely done well by people in a difficult circumstance. And for once, I think it's something that the, the financial services industry can look back and really say, we did a good thing for our customers there. Absolutely. It sounds very um, forward thinking, but I think you've got the culture in Chatwood by the sounds of things and the communi uh, communication cross team to be able to, as you say, Paul, um, have that creativity and innovation that allows the teams to create fantastic solutions at pace uh, for your consumers. So it sounds really positive that in a moment of, let's call it a bit of a crunch time moment you've been able to react in such a positive way um, at an organizational level but also across the sector uh, adrian did you have anything that you wanted to add to that no uh, um, i think paul's you know, covered it um yeah then just to reinforce the the the, the culture and ethos point of at chetwood you know we are a very people-centric organization um and we pride ourselves on that you know we you know we, th we think we are a great place to work um and we think we work with great people so um, you know, it's right at the heart of how we feel about ourselves and 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 what we you know we feel is important um, you know as a, as a bank going forward. So um, you know we've worked hard in the last twelve months. Um, yeah. Amazing. And um, we've mentioned an award that you received in 2020. So you were named one of the UK's top fintech disruptors. But this year you were placed number 15 within Business Cloud's 2021 top fintech 50, which is an, a fantastic achievement. Um, so talk to us about why you were named in this list and actually what is next for Chetwood? So, so Chetwood's so, so first of all, we're, we're thrilled to to be, be named in this. Um, 
Chitwood's, Chitwood's purpose is to use technology to make people better off. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Uh, we, uh, we do that by identifying a customer needs and try to fulfill those quickly. Um, and we leverage technology um, and our decisioning capabilities and our organization um, to really offer customers better solutions for their finances. Um, so you know, we have strong brands in markets. Um, we're able to adapt those, uh, those, those particular offers um, you know, in, in, in the circumstance pretty quickly. Um, and you know, and and on the back of our loans and savings, um, and and the, the products that, that are out there, you know, clearly that that resonates with people and and, and has been noticed. And that's you know, in, internally we think that's fantastic. As 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 this rolls forward, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, for us it's about banking as a service. I think uh, you know, we we have a couple products coming through. Um, which we'll hear a bit more about uh, over the course of next year, but banking as a service is probably the, um, you know, is probably the large one. Um, and there we think that there is really significant potential to provide services to clients who want to leverage those capabilities. So, um, you know, that, you know, that, that makes us a, a disruptor. I think, you know, the way in which banking services will be provided and the ability for almost any client organization who wants to offer banking services to be able to tap into a platform and either take an ecosystem of services or take individual services to augment their existing offering, um, I think becomes really exciting, right? So if you want to take decisioning as a service or communications as a service or CRM, um, or just you know, uh, you know uh, the servicing platforms, um, you know, be able to plug any one of those into your ecosystem relatively quickly, enable, you know, provide you as a client, um, you know, a means of acceleration for bringing products to market. Um, or you may take the entire ecosystem, right, and go and you know, take, take the whole separate go. Um, and that really does start to disrupt uh, you know, the existing financial services sector. And, and, and that's why we're really excited about where we're going to go over the next 12. I think what underpins everything Adrian's just said there is the confidence that we all have in what we do here. And I, th- I think that comes across in the conversation we're having today, right? That mm. we we know the risk guy is talking about how elegant and and effective the tech solutions are, right? We we speak with a common voice because we all buy into what we're trying to do. And when you've got a situation like that, where you're confident in what you sell, you genuinely believe in what you've got, <clears throat> it makes us all evangelical about it because we want to talk about it. We're proud of it. And what that means is it comes out in all the conversations that we have in all of our interactions. Anyone in the organization ends up talking about these things and that, that positive vibe, that confidence and that message permeates through what we do and becomes an inherent part of our, our way of working and our position in the market and the way that we're perceived by other people. And that, that in and of itself aids disruption. It causes disruption because potentially other organizations don't have that level of confidence, don't have that level of enterprise-wide unity in, in, in the way that we talk about and describe the way we work and how we work in our products and services. And that, that messaging is in and of itself a, a disruptor, plus all of the good technology stuff that Adrian said. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it just the way that you talk about the organization and what you're achieving and what you've done, what's coming up. um, It's very collaborative on all aspects. So it's really, really great to hear. And it is people, isn't it, that it boils down to that foster in it. 
you know promote that change and that you know positive journey of change so yeah it's fantastic to hear um i'm going to pass over to paul now our paul perform partners paul um because we're going to move away from business a little bit yeah it's moving more away from business um obviously uh given the events of the last 18 months what what what's changed for you in your everyday life in terms of what habits or hobbies have you adopted through lockdown and actually have they has that still maintained a thing uh, as we're coming out of uh, the lockdown period or have you changed into something else in terms of your hobbies and habits shall i lead on that one adrian um so Go for it. I, i've always been a fan of running pretty slowly for quite a long time um well certainly over the last five or six years that's become kind of my main hobby going for a bit of a jog and I turned 40 during the lockdown and obviously as we middle-aged men do the life midlife crisis kicked in and instead of buying a Porsche or you know running off and doing something else I I entered a race called the Marathon de Sable which will see me running six marathons across five days in the Sahara self-supported in April next year. Um, so yeah, you could say I've taken it to the next level, Paul. Um, I've, I've gone from having a bit of a jog around the streets to going all chips in on this one. Um, how, how, what's your history on marathons? Have you done any? Or? I've done a few. I, I started running in 2016. Um, I, I had a, a lifelong friend had cystic fibrosis and she died in 2015. And as a, a challenge in her memory, I was challenged to run a marathon. And me being me, I went, marathon, fa. there's 50,000 people every year do a marathon in London and I'm the same species as them, so I must be able to do that. <laughs> so I, I signed up for a race called Comrades in South Africa, which is a 90-kilometer ultramarathon from Durban to Pietermaritzburg. So before I'd ever done a park run, <clears throat> I signed up for a 90K ultramarathon um, and gave myself two years to do it. So, yeah, plodded on through that. I've done done it i'm not fast i'm not an athlete i'm far from those things my only athletic talent <clears throat> is ignorant perseverance i can i can go left right left right for a really long time pretty slowly but uh yeah you, you've hit on the topic i can talk about forever um so i'm, I'm doing a lot of, at the moment i'm doing eight training sessions over six days a week so i get one rest day and do uh, two double days and the rest are single days wow that is amazing. Are you running next year for charity as well? I am raising money for Scope. Yes. Um, so. By all means, if you if you perform partners when I pass a hat around the office, all donations will be greatly received. Absolutely. Send us a link as well if you've got a Just Giving page or something similar, and we'll pop that in the show notes as well for the listeners. Oh, that's fab. Thank you. Well, well, I uh, there's no there's no I can't compete with that. Kudos, Paul. I mean, like, look, I, I grew up in South Africa. I, I know the Comrades Marathon. I used to watch it every year. I know how tough that is. Um, I find it you know, amusing that I risk, uh, you know, effectively, effectively the guy heads up risk the bank. Um, that it, you know, is before you put down the park run, sign up for the Comrades. Um, you know, that is that is going some. Let's uh, that, take a, a big leap of faith. But kudos, Paul. Um, you know, good luck, good luck with the. Um, the marathon in the in the desert uh, will be behind you, uh, putting a few pennies in your pockets and doing our best to kind of, best to kind of encourage you to go on. Um, 
for me, lockdown, it's been pretty quiet. Um, you know, obviously, dad, two daughters, uh, really, it's, it's been, I think my job prior to that was, was pretty busy as well. So uh, for, for me, through lockdown, it's been about spending time with, with, with kids at home. So it's been going for walks, mm-hmm. stories, but just just being present. I think that's that's the thing. You know, the far too often in life, you, you're not present at home. You know, the, the world kind of life skips by before you know it, you blink and your daughters are, you know, mid-teens. You know, so we've, you know, as a family, we've really used the last 12, 18 months to, to try and be present. Um, and, and that, in its, in its own minor way, um, has, has been a real achievement for us. Um, because at the back of it, you know, we're quite a strong unit and it, and it feels really good. Yeah, I've, 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 I've done a very similar thing to you, Adrian, over the last uh, 12, 18 months in terms of I've got one daughter, but it's amazing how easily you can get wrapped up in your work and you work a bit longer hours and you don't see half the time you should. Or would, it just re, it just uh, it's, a, it's been a really good chance to reevaluate that, I think, and because you notice it, don't you? You're there and you notice it and you see. And I, I, I would agree with you. I think it's just been a positive step in that in that respect in terms of family closeness yeah fully agree so uh, great to hear about the the hobbies and the habits that you've picked up during lockdown and um, Paul I have to commend you for uh what you're taking on fantastic and doing it for charity as well absolutely amazing it's great to hear um but moving on to our next question every episode we ask our guests to contribute a song to our all things change playlist uh so this song uh, is a song that represents change to you so tell us what song did you pick uh, that represents change to you and why? Um, I don't think my choice can be quite as interesting as Paul's, but let's have let's have a shoot in it. Um, I was gonna I was going to go with "Video Killed the Radio Star" um, by the by the Buggles for the uh, perspectives of technology disruption, but um, but but actually I've opted for Tracy Chapman's "Revolution," uh, which I listen to all the time. Um, it, it constantly reminds me that we as a society need to keep pushing for equality. I, um, I grew up in South Africa during apartheid. Um, you know, I saw widespread injustices firsthand. Um, yeah, that song reminds me that we're, uh, we're all born free and that we should all be equal. Um, and that as a society, we need to keep striving for equal opportunities. Only then that we really give freedom to people um, and responsibility to be able to shape their own lives. So, so, so that as a as a change ethos throughout my life, that, that's only probably it. Um, I'm sure most people know it, but tell us in again because it's really super. Great song choice. And thank you for sharing that meaning with us as well. Um, it's great to hear that from you, Adrian. Thank you for sharing. And Paul, what about you? Tell us a little bit about the song that you chose. Yeah, so I, I chose quite a different tack to Adrian on this one. Um, I chose Little Fluffy Clouds by The Orb. Um, early 90s ambient house is a bit of me um i could have gone for paranoid android by radiohead but i can't stand radiohead um what i was thinking about was the topic that the kind of the theme that we've drawn out through this conversation that we risk and compliance folk are we're not known for our willingness to innovate our, our openness to change and the transition from to cloud rather has, is a real good case study in that, right? The, the number of conversations we had to have about with people that said the data doesn't sit on a box in the cupboard downstairs anymore. And then they didn't understand that it didn't just exist in the air. And the really, as, as I say, as a case study, that represents such a great um, 
example of the different thinking that you need to operate in 21st century banking, right? I, I talk to people sometimes about a conversation I had at one of the global jumbo mega banks when we were talking about using robotics to mass process uh, savings applications at the end of the financial year when everyone's opening up their ICEs. And I had to sit down with someone again and explain to them that it wasn't like a car production factory where we'd have a mag, you know, metal arm pressing keys on a, on a, a pad. It, it really spoke to me about the need to understand the way that these guys in the, in the business are working, the, the new things that we need to adapt to. And I could have chosen any, any song with cloud, but this is my favorite one. We'll have to give that a proper listen, not something that I'm familiar with, but the meaning behind it, spot on, really great to, to have shared that with us. Thank you so much, Paul. Um, and just before you leave us, Adrian, because I know you're on a bit of a, uh, you, we're watching the clock, aren't we? You're about to leave us to jump onto another meeting, but um, we all have podcasts. We're, we're sat here on a podcast at the moment. So, um, you know, part of change is about education and personal growth. We get a lot of that through podcasts. So we're always looking for podcasts or book recommendations, actually. So with that in mind, what are you listening to or what are you reading right now that you'd like to share with the listeners and the uh, Perform Partners team? So um, since it's our start, um, there are a couple of books that I'd highly recommend that I'm working through right now. So one of those is a book called Arguably by Chris Leachins, um, the late Chris Leachins. Um, essentially, it's a collection of essays on a wide variety of, of topics um, from a man who was an incredibly articulate humanist. Um, you, you know, each essay is a short, really quite consumable read um, that challenges or inform on a given thing. Um, so it's the kind of book you can pick up, uh, read for a bit and put, put down so you can you know, incrementally uh, you know, get through it. Um, but it really is, you know, if you're not familiar with Chris Vachins, I encourage you to have a look. He's, you know, he was a, a phenomenal man. So, that, so that's one. Um, and the other books on my bedside table, not that I fall asleep to it, um, but we have a book called um, Digital Transformation at Scale. Um, and one of the co-authors is, is also the Ned of our bank, um, a guy called Mike Bracken. Uh, which I'm, I'm reading, and that's really about how, uh, at a government level, uh, we've uh, the, the UK government have adopted digital change and have digitised government processes, um, and that really created the foundation for our response to the pandemic and a whole raft of other things that happened. So that digital transformation scale story um, is pretty phenomenal and really powerful, um, and that, that this book is a bit of a summary of that, take the lessons learned from it and how we apply that to other, to other areas. Um, and then podcast-wise, um, Friday Night Comedy. Um, if you don't listen to Friday Night Comedy on a podcast, get it because it's brilliant. Um, and occasionally uh, on runs, and I do run also, um, obviously, you know, probably probably slower than Paul does, um, but uh, from my own correspondent, uh, which is a relatively dry news feed, but it tends to deep dive particular topic areas that you might not otherwise see in mainstream news chat. Amazing. Thank you for those recommendations. I can see uh, Paul, our director, scribbling down those recommendations at the moment. Um, we, we love to share um, share any books or podcast recommendations here. So thank you for sharing those with us. I like the sound of the Chris, the Chris Hitchens one. I like the sound of that, yeah. Um, I'll start off with audiobooks. Um, I tend to do a lot of reading for work. As, as you can imagine, there's just a lot of stuff that I need to churn through. So I I tend not to read work stuff outside of work, if that makes sense. I tend to, to do it more for fun. 
Yeah, I like the use of the word stuff as well. It kind of encompasses a lot, doesn't it? Well, to be honest, that again, we've talked a lot about the kind of the culture and the way of working at Chetwood. Use words that people understand. Yeah. You know, you don't need people to think you're more intelligent than you are. If you're intelligent, it'll come through anyway. Um, so I, I like to use the most simple, appropriate word where we can. Um, I tend to listen to audiobooks when I'm on my, my runs, as we, we've talked about. You know, I go jogging for quite a long time. Um, I've just finished Airhead by Emily Maitlis, uh, which is really good. A series of essays about her life as a broadcast journalist. I'm just about to start um, The Storyteller by Dave Grohl which is a great one. Um, I did see that on your guest form. I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan. Nirvana, I absolutely love Dave Grohl. So you'll have to let me know what you think of that once you've listened to it. I'll, I'll drop you a line, definitely. Um, Podcasts-wise, I could do a podcast on podcasts. Um, <laughs> I consume them at, at a rate of knots. You know, having spent... 10 years as a consultant on the road, I've spent an awful lot of time on my own in the car, on a train, on a plane, getting to places. And I, I tend to, to listen to podcasts a huge amount. Um, a lot of BBC Radio 5 sports podcasts I listen to a great deal. Um, easy word for a Geordie to say, Athletic O Mince. If you haven't come across Athletic O Mince, give yourself half. You'll absolutely love it. Um, what else? The Infinite Monkey Cage. If you've never listened to the Infinite Monkey Cage, it's phenomenal. Oh. It's uh, Brian Cox, you know the the TV science guy, yeah. and Robin Ince, the comedian, doing a. I'm not really selling it when I say it. it's a Radio Four science based comedy quiz show, but it's much better than I've made it sound. I promise. Um, and my my weekly must listen is uh, there's no such thing as a fish, which is the QI elves. So the the team of researchers behind QI, the BBC Two show have their own weekly podcast around just obscure facts and the the truth that underpins them it's really really good that's one that i've dabbled in a little bit um really great podcasts and great recommendations there again i can see paul writing them down yeah yeah oh he's going to be all consumed by uh these recommendations so that's awesome thank you so much for sharing it's been great having you on the podcast with us today thank you for for joining us where can listeners find and connect with you? So I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, just look for Adrian Canal, look for uh, Chetwood. Um, so if you want to get, uh, get in touch, reach out through LinkedIn and, um, and we'll connect. Amazing. Thank you so much. Super. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, sure. It, same as everyone, I guess, these days, isn't it? If you search Paul Patterson Chetwood, you'll find me. Um, by all means, if anyone wants to connect, please do drop me a message. We can have a chat anytime. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Paul and Adrian, for being on the podcast. We appreciated you uh, joining us. Um, yes, Paul, any final words? I'm pointing as if you can see that I'm pointing to your little box. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it's been great because it's just such an interesting field and such a growing field in terms of fintech side of things. And it's probably the awareness of that and then the challenges that you guys have and how that's changed probably a lot of people that probably won't realize those those innovations that are going on in, in that space so it's been really interesting really insightful absolutely and it's also kind of 
touching upon the changes over the past you know 18 months and how reactive you've had to be and how quickly you've implemented certain tech or processes you know it has been great to hear because again you know these things as consumers just happen don't they so it's great to see how and hear how quickly you've created that change that was required in that moment so yeah fantastic stuff well thanks so much for inviting us on we've we were really keen to come and have a chat with you. And uh, by all means, if you want to have a chat again in the future, we'd love to come back. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to this episode of All Things Change, a podcast brought to you by the Perform Partners team. It's great to have you here listening with us today. And as always, you can find us on LinkedIn if you just search Perform Partners in the search bar. And our podcasts are now available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So be sure to subscribe, follow and leave us a review. It'll help other people find us. Thank you.